it would all have to be under my old name and I did not want my old name out there. I didn't want people knowing that. I would sign up with my name Bear or Barrett and they would block my account because they're like, your ID doesn't match. Like I've gotten kicked out of eBay seven times. Hey everyone, I'm Michael Slater, a vintage reseller based in North Texas, and you're listening to Canned Heat. For today's episode, I sat down with my friend Barrett of Bandana Boy Vintage. Barrett is one of my favorite resellers to follow. He has an awesome website and he puts out great content every day. He's also trans. So during our conversation, we talk a lot about his experience as a trans person, specifically as it relates to the vintage community. I hope that whoever you are, you're able to listen to this conversation with an open mind and learn something because I sure did. I first met you via social media toward the end of 2020. And real quick, I have to shout out your hilarious TikToks. in which you read from your first grade composition book. Those are probably my favorite (laughs) TikToks to exist. Those are so funny. My my twin sister has the exact same ones. And it's just like kindergarten and first grade illiteracy and just says like, (laughs) Uh, Jesus, Jesus, dad on the cross in mega me sad. And it's just so funny. I love it. That's, that's like my favorite thing. But anyway, uh, we met in person after that, uh, when we vended next to each other at dated faded Warren in Dallas, and it's been really awesome to get to know you. So how did you get into this business? So originally I had like been taking a semester off of school and through going from my first school to my second school, I had lost like 80 pounds and none of my clothes had fit me. To preface this, uh, I'm transgender and Bandana Boy Vintage is a trans-owned business, which means that I was uh, born female, identify as male, and have been on testosterone for like two years. So if I say anything about being trans, that's what that means. So I had top surgery, which is a trans surgery, which is like a double mastectomy. And that changed the shape of my body a lot. So none of my t-shirts fit and they were all thrifted. So I tried to sell them on Depop and they sold super fast because they were all thrifted. And I was like, oh, dang, I didn't know I could do this. What has it been like as a trans person in the vintage community? It's super interesting because I am a trans person who has passing privilege, which is like you don't quote unquote look trans or you can't really tell that I'm trans by looking at me. And so people like resellers will say transphobic stuff. And like when the Dave Chappelle stuff was going on, they would make a lot of jokes about that. And uh, to me and like thinking that I'm cis, which is like the opposite of trans, whatever. But um, yeah, mostly that. And just having like little to no resources for, trans people on the internet and trying to self I've never seen anyone really do it. So, so you and I have talked briefly about this sizing disparity, um, for trans people and trans men specifically. So can you kind of like educate us on what's going on there? So 
most of the people that I serve, because I'm a trans-owned business, I mostly aim to serve like uh, the queer community and keep most of my clothes gender neutral. And so uh, a lot of the people that I serve are either trans men, uh, non-binary, like trans mask presenting people or um, masculine presenting lesbians. And so we all, all of those groups typically have uh, like born, are born female. And so we have very smaller bodies, like a, everything's built different biologically. And so where resellers hate, hate, hate mediums, like nobody likes a medium. It's so weird to me. And I've always like said this, there are cis guys that wear mediums and smalls, but (laughs) everyone still thinks that XL is like the cream of the crop. I'm certainly guilty of that too, because I've even thought before, like, oh man, too bad this is a medium. Like, too bad this is a small. Like, I've had those thoughts before too. So I'm sure there are biases within myself, but I'll still get people in my booth who say, why do you have so many mediums? Why do you have so many smalls? And I think it is important to be inclusive with size. And I don't know why a lot of resellers are so weird about it. Because most of the time when people are talking about like um, size inclusion, we're always talking about bigger sizes. Yeah, yeah. That's where a lot of um, like fashion is lacking and a lot of uh, like fashion resources are lacking. But then you think specifically in vintage, you have to just think about your audience and your demographics. And like I think about like Skylar, our friend, like the thrifty bitch. Uh Um, She carries a lot of smaller sizes because she serves a lot of women. And right. But for the bigger stuff, like more more hype items, I do like to pick up XLs just because I know that like the trans guys that aren't necessarily interested in that aren't going to want to pay up for that. So I, I'm, I'm guilty of it myself. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's really important for other resellers to hear that it's a good thing to have a variety of sizes (laughs) and having all XLs on your rack. I mean, it really does kind of limit your your selling potential, right? Because you've got people of all shapes and sizes that might come through your booth or might shop your online store. And so I think it is important for us to maybe reframe our thinking on the size issue. Yeah, and I had to do that myself because at the beginning when I was selling, it was all of my old stuff. So I was a lot heavier. So it was XLs and larges. Um, so I just kept picking those up because those are what was selling. But I just want to create that space that people have never had. You know, I'm really sorry to hear that you've you've faced some discrimination, truly. But also, you and I have talked about you've kind of found this subculture or this like smaller yes. community of LGBTQ plus resellers. So tell me about that experience. And if you can, maybe highlight some of those resellers that we should know about. Yeah, that was that was definitely kind of what got me started and got me more serious in the vintage game was um, Noodle Drips and Enrique at Fine and Dandy Archives. They were both like holding a, a Pride Month live. So we were just rounding up a bunch of LGBTQ plus resellers to just highlight us and give us more time and give us more opportunity to make money. And 
through that, I met some great people. I met like Danny, Itty Bitty Vintage Committee and Casey Thrifts and Caps Lock Vintage and everyone like that. But it was just so cool because I'd never done a live before. And it's like I Noodle Drips comes at you and you're like, oh, my gosh, this person's like super well known. <laughs> and yeah, I was kind of starstruck. But um, yeah, now Nicole's like one of my best friends. And that was just that was one of the best opportunities to find that little group. And we still talk. We have like a little vintage queers uh, group message where we'll either send like our own stuff just to promo it with each other or we'll unfortunately have a lot of screenshots of homophobic stories and comments of people and messages. So, but yeah. we're all really supportive of each other, which is great. Well, that's good that that, that community exists. And I think it is important to call out the hate and discrimination when we see it. It's so rampant in the vintage community just because people are just like broing around and just kind of saying whatever they want to just because they're they're like locker room talk kind of thing. And yeah, that just becomes dangerous super easily. Yeah. Well, you know, I hope that we can see more accountability with that. And it is encouraging to see that there are folks that will call it out when they see it. Yeah, for sure. It's been like one of the biggest blessings to find these people because that's one of the things I really love about vintage is within the community. There are so many subcultures and so many subgenres where you can really just find your people. And it's really important to me to be able to like visibly be trans. I knew doing that, that I would cut down my audience a lot. No lie. Like, being trans isn't so widely accepted these days. I mean, it's getting a lot better, but like I knew that I'd be cutting my demographic a little bit and I really was willing to do that because I knew that even if I'd be losing sales from people who don't like necessarily like people talking about being trans, I'd still be helping people way more earnestly by doing that with trans people. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you did that because like you said, it's it's authentic, it's earnest. And, you know, you're going to end up with people that do accept you. And those are the people that you're going to want anyway. And I think that it's also an encouragement to other LGBTQ plus folks that might want to find their way into this business. That's something that's super important is just that kind of visibility. Like um, my friend Storm Ryan, he has a podcast for trans people by trans people called Brenemies. You can find them on Instagram at at Brenemies or YouTube at Brenemies. But they, in their second or third episode, highlighted a couple of trans, uh, like people who own businesses. And I shockingly was put on that highlight. And like, these people have like 200,000 followers. Like this was really great for me. Wow. He did that in order to show that being trans, you can make your own money because employment with trans people is kind of really hard, especially if our documents yeah. don't match, which is very common. Mm-hmm. That's most of the reason actually why I kept doing vintage, even though I was just selling my old clothes. Like eventually those clothes ran out and I kept doing it because my ID was still under my old name and I didn't want to out myself at work. Mm. So it's yeah. important for people to be able to make their own money and kind of not have to disclose that information to their employer. Yeah. Well, I, I had never thought about that. I have to admit, but I think that is 
a blessing and that there is this medium for folks. <laughs> and that's why, that's why what you said earlier, like those are the people that you want to have around the positive people that are really reinforcing your identity and just like supporting you nonstop and your authenticity. Those are the people you want to have around. So like when I post an experience about being trans, like I'll just post random little encounters I have with people or just things that people might not know or even think about, like you said earlier, you like, that's not even something you'd think about, but um, I really like doing that and seeing like a loss of 16 followers every time, but then like a gain of 25 and they're all trans people. Yeah. I'd imagine it would be a net positive over time. Mm -hmm. You know, like you said at first, you know, it's, it's probably more difficult to find your people, Mm -hmm. but uh, when you do, I think, you, you've probably seen the growth from there. When I talk about that, I'm not necessarily talking about like having a good amount of followers. Like I'm talking yeah. about reaching a large trans audience and like being visible because something I've discovered recently is like when you don't see that representation of yourself, like you only view yourself and learn about yourself as other people's comments roll in. So like I didn't know what being trans was. I only knew the negative comments that people made about trans people. So when I finally figured out what it was, I was like, oh crap, I'm all those comments. But this mm-hmm. kind of like, if, if I saw someone doing this and if I had the the great representation that we have now, it's like, so it's improved a lot. It's not amazing, but it's like super great. If I had that, like my my internalization of being trans would be so different. Right, yeah, that, that makes sense. And to your point, I don't think it is maybe about the number of followers, but it's quality over quantity, you know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> like your TikTok, that original one that you made. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's true. I mean, there's value in finding community with it and not just mass appeal, you know? <laughs> exactly. So what is something that most people don't know about you? Something most people don't know about me is that I'm a twin. I have a twin sister. Yeah. And um, do we just have fun facts about like being twins? Like our birthday is the same birthday as Elvis. And so we have an Elvis dedicated bathroom in our house. That's probably something no one knows about me. <laughs> That's a good one. Who have come over to my house. But she's my best friend, which is great. And I uh, just really like having her around. She vended with me my my second time at Dated, Faded, and Worn, and she's more outgoing than I am, so it was really helpful. <laughs> that is helpful, I will admit. I've partnered with a couple people um, vending at events, and I'm very introverted. I'm not a pushy salesperson, and I don't say that uh, with any kind of negative spirit. Like, you need a pushy salesperson sometimes, yeah. you know, to to go and flag people down and sell them a t-shirt. Like, uh, it's a very good way to be if you're going to sell in person. And I'm not that way. I'm not so, either. <laughs> so I'm very thankful for uh, extroverts and uh, people that, you know, you can kind of partner up with and uh, use your strengths to your advantage. That's why I was so excited about uh, vending. Like, I didn't even know that you and I were vending next to each other at first because I didn't know on the vendors app you could see. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like, whose name is with what booth. I just knew that Skylar always had the end booth because it's just the best one for her. Yeah. 
So I was like, okay, I'm going to just go near her, but not like on top of her. I'm just going to go like, three down. And when I walked up and saw you and like saw Aaron, I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> Familiarity. Yeah. That was actually my first event like that I ever vended at really? um, back in like 2019. And it's definitely like comforting to find people, you know, yeah. it can be daunting if you're just there by yourself. I'm not too far away from remembering that feeling, you know? Yeah. Switching gears a little bit. Uh, these are kind of the more rapid fire questions that just pertain to the uh, nitty gritty of reselling. Yes. So how big is your death pile? Oh, God. My death pile is so big that I had to have a garage sale and price everything at like 25 cents because it was so big. That's how yeah. big it was. <laughs> and it's still there. I think that happens to us all. Like I'm about to do another trunk sale um, in I'm the next so couple of weeks. First one. Uh, yeah, I just did one a couple months ago and it felt so good to like get rid of pieces that I had been holding on to for <laughs> way too long. Yeah, and picked out a QT. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just pulled up to the QT and popped the trunk and sold things for like a dollar or less on most things. If someone took like a big stack of stuff, I'd be like, yeah, 20 bucks. Yeah, 20. And I mean, I, I definitely took a loss on a lot of those pieces. Yeah, me too. Others were like from bins and rag houses, so it's kind of not really <laughs> a loss, but it was just like a very freeing experience to just get rid of stuff that yeah. had been sitting there for so long. And everyone was so excited about it because they were getting pretty decent inventory on the low. So it was like, it felt good to just like pass stuff on and get it back in the ecosystem again, rather than just sitting in my garage. So I definitely recommend that to any resellers listening. Like I've even heard people say over the years, like if you have a death pile, just take it all back to goodwill. And like sustainability wise, like I've done it. I, I have too. I have too. And that is probably better than sitting on it for years and years. But everybody who resells has other resellers that follow them. Right. So I think a good idea is just before you go to Goodwill, mm -hmm. <laughs> make a free pile and just post the location on your story. And like, you'll be surprised how many people show up. Or even if you want to get some money back, dollar yeah. pile, $2 pile, whatever, and put a couple bangers in there that you've been sitting on for a bit. It definitely is is a good feeling to kind of get things back out there. Yeah, that's why I, I used to do this thing when I had like under 800 followers, when it was more manageable to do free item week where with every purchase, someone would get like, I mean, every single order would get a free t-shirt. So I just throw in a tee for my death pile and uh, people like really like that. And so I'd get a lot more orders that week and uh, I'd always see people at the end of vending events just have like a dollar pile or their five dollar one scratch to a one scratch yeah <laughs> i'm like okay <laughs> let's go yeah something that is kind of odd that people don't like is trading i love trading if you find someone who has kind of a similar amount of death pile stuff as you trade those pieces like that's like i have a a good friend at who's a elijah at wise guy vintage and him and I, like, I'll post something from my death pile on my story and he'll be like, yo, trade me for this. I'm like, trade his, the thing he'll give me, he'll instantly sell. I'm like, that's perfect. You know, he got what he wanted. I got what I wanted. Yeah, that's another great idea. Okay, so what is your favorite piece that you've ever sold? It's either my 
Mr. and Mrs. Smith, like the Smiths movie. You remember that? Yeah. Uh, that T or my uh, Mickey Mouse Tower of Terror, like the one that has uh, you better take the stairs on the back or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah, that's a great one. Those were like two of my first T's when I had just signed up on Grailed and like just started selling on platforms. And I think I sold the the Smiths one for 80 and I like ran into my mom. I was like, Oh my God, this sold, this sold for $80. I got it for two ninety nine. What the heck? Yeah. That's a great, exciting. that's a great feeling. Like the first like mm-hmm. bigger flip that you, that you have. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what is your, or what are your uh, current ISOs? I've been really getting into true vintage lately and that's kind of what I wanted to do this year. And I've been kind of working to curate more true vintage. Um, but I, I've been been kind of hoarding FFA jackets, which is kind of, Oh yeah. That's, those are super cool. Right. And I've seen people be like, I'm, I was in the FFA. I, this is so weird that these are are like a hundred bucks, but I think they are so cool. And those are always my ISOs now, but my biggest ISO right now is like a forties or fifties Letterman cardigan sweater. Oh yeah. Has the, the year on the pocket or something, but I love little, little cardigans now. True vintage is definitely, uh, built different. <laughs> like it is yeah, a whole is. different lane and it is. it's just so solid. Like it's so well built compared to even to 90s stuff that was still made in the USA. Like there's just something about the craftsmanship that is on another level. That's what got me into it is like just the details and the tags. I'm I'm a sucker for a good tag. And it's just like the intricacy and the like some of the tags were sparkly. I'm like, they paid so much to yeah. get that garment just a little better. But um I've been listening to Drew Heifetz podcast a lot and he sells a lot of true vintage and like true denim and he was just talking about how sustainable that business model is just because it's a dwindling resource and it's built to last and you know true vintage and true vintage denim is just it's it's a classic and it's always going to be worth something that's why i love true vintage hubs and like people that are specializing in true vintage because it's always like a full curation and it's not just t-shirts like that's one of the things I just am not really about is like full t-shirt pages. Cause like you want to f- put a full outfit together and you can have exactly. a t-shirt, but like people are going to see you and be like, where'd you get those pants? And I'm like, All right, let's pull some pants and put them online. Yeah. Another thing that the hype vintage world so often forgets is like style is not about one t-shirt. <laughs> mm-hmm. You can't just wear one t-shirt yeah. and be done. Like you've got to have pants you've got to have sneakers you've got to have socks you've got to have a belt like there's all these other pieces there's so much more than just t-shirts and the hype vintage world would kind of have you believe otherwise but you do have to be able to put together an entire outfit every day (laughs) like why would you not want to invest in that other stuff too right to me they they look like cartoon characters sometimes just because it's it's the same silhouette of the outfit it's the same pants and shoes and mm-hmm. different like mega print t-shirt and i'm like oh <laughs> i like that good good style choice buddy <laughs> yeah yeah no no doubt okay so kind of on that note with isos do you consider yourself more of a collector or a seller it depends what category we're talking about like i just collect the weirdest things like 
ironic stuff like family reunion teas I was all about and like just really ugly grandma sweaters. That was my little niche for a while. But I think of myself now as a vintage seller, but more of a true vintage collector. It's like I'll collect my true vintage stuff, but I'll sell most of the more like 80s to 2000s stuff. Do you prefer in-person thrifting or online sniping? It's changed over time because like I've been thrifting since like, okay, I'll, I won't even lie. My first thrift trip was because of the Macklemore song. Can't lie. Yeah. <laughs> but I was in like seventh grade. And so like none of my friends were really about that. And I was always wanting to go to like thrifts and antique malls. And they're like, let's go to the mall. And I'm like, I would rather chew glass, but okay. <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of why I love it so much because I started there and none of my friends like to do that. So it was always a place that I could go by myself. And like, I, I'm super outgoing, but I need my alone time. And so oh, when, yeah. when I'm in the thrift with my loan, like I'll put in some headphones or just, just dial in on the shirt flipping. I'm like, oh my God, this is heaven. <laughs> yeah. It's very therapeutic. Like I don't thrift much these days, but I try to like at least once a month, like just get out there and just look. Sometimes it's zero expectations of finding <laughs> anything, but it's like, just going to go and like look through shirts like even if it's all land of the free t-shirts like (laughs) there's there's something there's something about being in the racks and just looking through it that uh it is like you know therapy in a way (laughs) honestly it was just a little adrenaline is there anything better than like pulling just a super good grail or like sniping one for just a mega steal you know yeah i've been into eBay recently just because the thrifts have been dwindling and they're really taxing and it's it's been kind of impossible to find stuff now and especially in DFW we're both in the DFW area and there's the 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 reselling market is so saturated so I can't even so crowded here <laughs> can't even walk around a thrift store without knocking into like six vintage heads yeah when I find my thrift stores that are kind of empty and haven't been touched yet I'll prefer that. But now just because of the dwindling resources, I've been going towards sniping and like buying from other resellers, which I hadn't really liked doing before because I couldn't really sell it for much, but I didn't realize that resellers want to do bundle deals. I'm like, Oh, cool. And so I just get like big bundle deals from people. And uh, that's kind of been my favorite thing recently too. It's just working with other resellers. Yeah, that's that's a great way to get inventory for sure. Like you said, eBay sniping is not dead. Like, yeah, my my brother pretty much like once a day he'll just text me a eBay link and be like, "Go now! This old lady just posted this and she has no idea what it's worth, yes. and it's fifteen dollars or best offer." And I'm like, "Yes, awesome!" And uh, you know, scoop it. So there's definitely a lot out there, whether it's bundle deals or it's online. Even though the thrifts are crowded, there's still great ways to source inventory. Something that I do want to mention that was kind of an obstacle for me as a trans person selling was signing up for different like marketplaces. I Oh, yeah. It would all have to be under my old name. And I did not want my old name out there. I didn't want people knowing that. I would sign up with my name Bear or Barrett and they would block my account because they're like, your ID doesn't match. Like I've gotten kicked out of eBay seven times. It's wow. It's but marketplace, I just recently 
got my name changed legally. So now I can sell on those platforms, which is great. Yeah. So what is your biggest pet peeve with vintage or just in general? Oh my God. If you follow me on Instagram, you know, I cannot stand a low baller. I love to cut a deal more than anyone. Like I will cut something off of like 75% off sometimes, but when I post a $200 item and you offer me $25, I'm going to cry. <laughs> and people, because of that, now people will send me their lowball uh, screenshots and they'll be like, someone just offered me $14 on a $250 Grateful Dead tea. I'm like, Oof. this is absurd. <laughs> uh, my other pet peeve is just people, I don't know, they'll buy, buy a t-shirt for $800 and then sell it for $850. And I'm like, okay, good for you. That, that, Great, great strategy, but your profit margins uh, yeah. should not look like that, <laughs> you know, just about like what good, like what's the best Instagram picture you can post. Like, exactly. I exactly. I was so shocked by like, if I saw, if I saw like a really great AOP, I, I was, I'm obsessed with AOPs. If I saw a really great AOP, I'm like, oh my God, I've never seen that before. But now it's like, I see that six times a day because people really just want to post the best picture. I'm like, do you have like a pair of jeans or like a pair of shoes or maybe? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I'm much more appreciative of, well, like you said earlier, like pages that aren't just about t-shirts, <laughs> pages that aren't just about what's hype in that moment. I'll see the same one t-shirt, like change hands five different times yeah. in to these like same few resellers. And I'm just like, what's the point? Like the real flex is finding an end user for the product, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> the real flex is getting it into the hands of someone that's going to actually wear it and own it for a while. Like, I don't know. It's not appealing to me at all to, you know, buy high, sell high <laughs> yeah, to the same people and then never actually put that t-shirt in a good home. <laughs> yeah. Just keep it on the wall and keep passing it down. That's why... I really like finding people through like family connections and friend connections. Like that's one of my favorite ways, if not my favorite way to kind of advertise myself and like market myself is just like someone will compliment my shirt in a grocery store, like an old, old vintage head. And I'm like, I know you probably have a like a good grateful dead shirt in your closet, but I don't know, just passing that word on. They're like, Oh, I'll tell my granddaughter. She really loves retro clothes. And then that granddad <laughs> cash out with me. I'm like, God dang, grandma. <laughs> but um, like, I understand people wanting to fill just a niche and just do t-shirts. It really just depends on who you're serving, especially with trans people. I'm just reflecting back. Trans people don't have like a lot of money a lot of the time. And so it's not realistic for me and my audience to be buying low and selling high and it's not realistic to be buying high and selling high. Like it has to be buying low, selling medium for me right? just to keep it accessible for people. Yeah, that's a really good point because another qualm that I have with kind of the hype culture surrounding vintage kind of relates to what we call mids versus what we call grails. Like the average Joe is not paying more than $50 for a t-shirt. Yeah, As far as I can tell, <laughs> That is just a fact of life. And so I'm much more interested in mids when it comes to selling. Mids feed the mids. Yeah, exactly. And I would much rather find folks that don't know about vintage and kind of educate them and 
invite them into the the fold <laughs> a little bit yeah i'm i'm into getting things to their final destination you know just knowing that they're gonna stay there like my twin sister i let her join my uh, voodoo lounge rolling stones raffle that i had a long while back and she ended up winning it and i was like is this nepotism no <laughs> this. yeah i remember and, that but like i know that she's never gonna sell that and so that's just like a win for me how can people find you online and support everything you're doing? You can find me on Instagram at Bandana Boy Vintage, or you can find me at my website at bandanaboyvintage.com. Most of my items are going to be all on the website, and the top couple of items are going to be on my Instagram. So if you want to snag some deals for the low, that's going to be on my website. Do you have any final thoughts or words of wisdom for us? Just be yourself, please wear whatever the hell you want honestly like if you want to wear a shirt as a skirt i don't care that's kind of why i sell vintage is just like wear whatever makes you feel good and trans lives matter thanks mic drop <laughs> well i think that's a great place to end it thank you so much barrett for uh having the conversation with me yeah thank you for having me and everyone go press subscribe right now leave a review <laughs> if you got here please. It helps a lot for everyone doing any podcast. So always go do that. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate that. Always. Thanks for listening to another episode of Canned Heat. As always, don't forget to subscribe on your podcast platform of choice so you don't miss an episode. If that platform happens to be Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you can leave us a rating too. Okay, so the next episode of this pod is going to be a banger. I don't want to give it away just yet, but I will say that in it, I talked to two people who created some of the most iconic t-shirts of the 80s and 90s. What's even better is that there will be some video content to go along with that episode too. Search Can't Heat Podcast on YouTube and subscribe to the channel for updates. I've also uploaded all the previous podcast episodes if you prefer to listen there. Remember, if you know someone who is building an awesome sustainable business or has contributed to the world of vintage in some way, let me know at Slater Thrifts or at Canned Heat Pod on Instagram. I'm always looking for new guests and some of my favorite conversations have come about because of listener requests. Well, that's it for this one. I'm Michael Slater. Don't forget to wash cold and hang dry.